tell me where you were when Christ found you. Tell me about what it was. What was that darkness that you were in or that I was in when Jesus Christ first found you? What is it that he saved you from? What was the darkness that you and I were in? Y'all, y'all, y'all tell me. Y'all answer me back. What was it he saved you from? What was that darkness, that dominion of darkness that you were under and I was under when he found us? Sin, yeah, absolutely. Sin, that's the big blanket, isn't it? Sin. What else? Yeah, the people you're with, maybe running in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. What else? Deception. Yeah, the, the Bible has a lot to say about that. It has a lot to say about light and darkness, and particularly in, in, in regard to wisdom, to revelation that we were kind of talking about from Proverbs. It talks about in God there's wisdom and truth and re- there's revelation. Apart from God there's darkness and deception and there's, there's truth is not, is not known there, not well understood. One of the things that you'll see in, in Proverbs 2, um, one of it, the things that it talks about is it talks about the adulterous woman. And I'll talk about the adulterous woman and how um, she doesn't even know what she's doing. It'll say things like that. But in, in utter darkness, people don't even know that they're running around in utter darkness, right? They're like what Jesus would say, people following blind guides. They're not even aware of, of how dark their situation is. Anything else? What, are the, what, what, else were you re, what else were you saved from? What else was that dominion of darkness that you and I were saved from? Rejection. Yeah, absolutely. Right. How about this? How about the truth of the gospel is that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are accepted by God as we are, not for the person, not to the, you know, version 2.1, but as the, ver- as the people we are, we are accepted by God on the day that you come to the, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? Spectacular, isn't it? To be accepted by the one who created all this, did all this, loves us so much. Amazing. What else? Anyone? Yeah, I think a lot of people grow up that way, don't they? Just some, some fear, some, you know, part of this, the, part of coming into the light is coming into a real understanding of who God is and that he is good and not out to get us, right? He's not good, he's not demanding, he's not, dis, dis, he's not the, the uh, you know, outrageous disciplinarian. Certainly he disciplines us. Uh, but to understand God rightly is, is part of coming into that, into that light, all right? So what I want to talk about is that process, and, and you know, one of the things, you know, we, there's a lot of confusion sometimes. I don't know if you've wondered. I've wondered, you know, when you raise children, a lot of what we're doing is behavior modification, right? A lot of what we're doing is like, uh, you know, your son or your daughter says a word that you've told them that they should not say, and so the discipline often for that is what? <laughs> a spanking or what else? You know, you're washing out their mouth with soap. I know we had to do that with one of our children. We told her to stop saying a certain word. And uh, she, uh, I say she, you all know automatically who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, we told her not to say a certain word, and she wouldn't stop saying it. And so, um, you know, we'd never really seen it done before, but we, you know, proceeded with washing her, her mouth out with soap. To make it worse, we were at a friend's house, so it was with borrowed soap, um, which is funny. But uh, anyway, washed her mouth out with soap. So, but we were, we were modifying her behavior. We were telling her that kind of language is not acceptable to us as in, in our family. And so we were modifying her behavior. We were trying to clean up her actions and clean up her words. But that's not it. You know, um, you, you, you don't, if you spend any time around kids whatsoever, even very small ones, even very little ones, we had a, 
we had a, a couple of really young, precious, beautiful children in the nursery the other day. And, you know, um, some people say they're the next thing, next, the, the closest thing to God. You know, that's certainly true as newborns are amazing. But you also see the sin nature in them, right? We, I was back here during vacation Bible school. I was back in the nursery. And there were a couple of kids who were just absolutely, they were staring at each other down across the nursery and just kept making, they can't really talk either one of them. They don't have many, much of a vocabulary. But they would do is they would stand and they would put their fists down and they would go, ah! at each other. And it just kept going back and forth. And so we, we told them, you know, no, stop, be nice. But even though they didn't have the vocabulary, they knew to fight with each other, right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that funny? Isn't that uh, kind of really, it's kind of sad because it's human nature. But isn't it funny, even though they didn't have the words to fight, that they still came up with the ability to have a disagreement together, uh, right? That, that, but that's just part of human nature. But, you know, as we, as we grow up, and, uh, and if you've been confused too, you, you know, you wonder sometimes when, when in the New Testament we're saved by faith uh, and and we find the grace of God, and sometimes it's really confusing about how we should teach our children. Should we teach our children all about grace, or do we need to establish the kind of that legalistic home where you don't say certain words, you don't treat your brother or sister that way, you don't tell your mom and dad no, you, you, you know, all those things. You, you, you show respect to your parents and all those things. Is that the kind of place that you set up, or is that kind of the legalism of the Old Testament that we put away with? I'm not really going to talk about parenting so much today, but I do want to kind of explain uh, about how behavior modification works and doesn't work. And part of it is this, is, this, is that so in, in, in our lives, um, you and I have learned from a very early age that we're supposed to be, um, there are certain words and there are certain ways to act and react to people that's acceptable. And there are certain words and there are certain ways to act. There are certain behaviors that are not acceptable, right? So when you were young and you were in grade school and you, someone did something bad to you, someone said something that hurt your feelings, and then you called them stupid, right, then you were in the wrong. So you learned, ah, so I, I was punished for that, right? Maybe you were spanked, maybe you were put in the corner or whatever, but you, were, you, you know, you're, this, is, this is part of the process of, of behavior modification. We don't call people stupid, and, and, and there's punishment for that. There's a spanking, there's, a, there's time out, there's whatever, and it starts to modify our behaviors, right, towards other people. Um, and so what, what we have essentially is that we have built, we have built, a, uh, a, a filter, and I have one here this morning. I happen to have brought one for an object lesson. So we we've kind of have a filter, and all of our life, we're kind of learning what that filter is supposed to be like so that whatever our actions are, whenever they're poured through, um, we have a filter that catches and takes those things that are unacceptable, and we start to say things and do things that are filtered through the little filter that gets built up in grade school and in our parents' home and all this so that we know what's important. And then it gets really, it gets kind of complex, our filter, right? As you get older, you learn that there are certain ways to act. Guys, there are certain ways to act around women that they find unattractive. And so we learn with our little filter that there are things you should not do around a woman if you're looking for a date, right? Uh, ladies likewise, right? There's certain things you shouldn't do around man if you're looking for a date. Uh, but, you know, um, and, and so we learn this through this process all about how to apply a filter. And some of our filters get very complex. They get very, uh, they get very sophisticated in their approach as we try to put. So all this really is us what? Is right? just trying to put our best foot forward. We're trying to do what's acceptable. We're trying to do something that, that we think is acceptable or that people around us will accept us or like us. And so we use our filter for that purpose. All right. Um, now, Jesus would have something. I'm going to talk a lot about um, 
about, about filter, and that's kind of the way of, of behavior modification. This filter represents this morning, represents the behavior modification by which we filter through our words before we say them. We filter through our behaviors before we say them, and we only let out what we think we want people to see or people to hear from our words, right? Our, our behaviors, our actions that we want them to hear. But Jesus would say something about about our heart and our actions. It would be pretty, pretty astounding, actually kind of surprising. In Matthew chapter 15, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, Matthew chapter 15, we're going to re- read verses 10 through, uh, through 20 this morning. Listen to what he says here this morning. Um, let, me, let me start by telling you what happens in the beginning here. Um, in verse 1, it says, Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus um, from Jerusalem and asked him, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders that they don't wash their hands before they eat? The Pharisees and the practice of the, the Jews would have this kind of elaborate practice where before they would eat, they would, there would be this cleansing of their hands. And it was, a, it was a big production. It wasn't just they go to the bathroom and wash their hands with the soft soap in there that smells maybe like cherry blossom or something. Now, that, that very sophisticated we are today, aren't we? Now, they would have this still very elaborate, very religious symbolistic of them washing their hands before they ate. And yet the disciples didn't do that. And so Jesus kind of begins to point out in the rest of, of the first part of that chapter about how hypocritical the Pharisees are. And then he's going to talk about it a little bit more beginning in verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into a man's mouth cannot make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth is what makes him unclean. Kind of shocking words what Jesus is saying, is it? You know, uh, what he was saying, what they were saying is that, no, that, the, these people, they've got to get those, that, that dirt, the thing that pollutes them, they've got to get that off. And what Jesus is saying is that what's polluting them is not from what's coming from the outside in, but what's coming from the inside. Right. What's polluting them, what, what, what's making them unclean is what's, uh, what's on the inside. It, what comes out of his mouth makes him unclean. Verse 12, then the disciples came and asked him, do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? It isn't that funny. He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a man leads the blind, uh, both will fall into a pit. So he's yeah, tell them, don't worry about the Pharisees. They're going to be upset. Uh, Peter, then in verse 15, Peter said, explain this parable to us. Jesus very kindly said, are you so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that what, whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? Isn't that funny? So he just has explained what you learned in, in sixth grade biology, right? Is it, this is the digestive system. You eat, things pass through the digestive system, and then out the body. And, and so basically what he's saying here is that the, so those things that go in, they don't stay, right? They, those things pass through the body. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these things make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Okay, so what Jesus is saying is that they've misunderstood all along, that they've thought all along that it was the things on the outside that polluted or made, it a, made a person unclean. And Jesus said, no, those things that make them unclean come from their heart. Matter of fact, he says, the way that the mouth speaks is by what? Through the vocal cords. No, he says the mouth speaks from the heart. In other words, if you listen to the way that a person speaks, you can know what's in their heart, right? This is really good for us that we can know people, that we can understand people by listening to them and hearing what they say. The bad thing, though, is that sometimes yours and my filter don't work you so good. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes your filter and my filter develop a little hole, or let, let me put it a little different way. 
Sometimes our filters, they take so much energy to keep in place that we can't keep them up all the time. Uh, case in point, marriage, right? When you're dating, it's really easy when you're seeing each other for two or three or four hours at a time to keep your filter in place and to watch what you say and to watch how you behave. Now, you watch 90% of people who get married six months after they're married say, I'm surprised at who my husband or my wife is. I realized all this about them, but I didn't realize all this about them, right? The, the, and, and so, uh, you know, many of us, m- many of you, not, not certainly not me, but many of you were surprised sometimes later on at the person you had married, right? You realized, uh, you know, 90% of them, but there was this 10% that they were kind of keeping back. Well, we all do that, right? We all kind of put our best foot forward. We all kind of run things through our filter because we want people to think the very best of us. And we all certainly do that. But the thing that, that Jesus said is, is that, or, or I'm sorry, the thing that Jesus said about our mouth, though, is that so out of the, uh, uh, from, from the heart, the mouth speaks. What he's saying here is that there's, uh, what, what this means is that there are times that you and I say things or do things that are a little shocking even to us, right? You ever done that? You ever been through and you're talking about someone and, or you have some thought about someone and you say something and you say something really derogatory? You say something really negative and you're like, that's not like me to be so critical. Why, why, would I, why would I talk like that? And maybe around the people, well, that's not, and maybe even the people around you say, well, that's not like you to talk like that. Well, Jesus says, that's just like you because that came from where? That came from your heart, right? Uh, don't, we, don't we hate to hear that? You know, it's, it's easier to hear in other people and it's really hard to hear for ourselves. And because we're always, again, we're always wanting to think of ourselves this way. I, I want to think of myself this way. I don't want to think of myself as having a, a corrupt or unclean heart. So Jesus would say that this is the way that we want to look, but very oftentimes really in life is that this is what's happening, is that our hearts don't look so much like this. Our hearts look a little more like this. And as much as we try and we filter things out, and the filter works pretty good most of the time, but sometimes the filter is hard to maintain and we end up showing a little bit about what's in our heart that we've been trying to keep out of the sight and out of the ears of the people around us and we end up showing a little bit of the uncleanness of our heart. Yeah. Now, now, here's the deal. Um, you and I all, sometimes we have some ugliness that comes out and, and we like to try to blame other things or other circumstances or other people, right? So, um, so people would say, well, well yes, I, I, I'm this way, but if you only understood how difficult, how much hurt, what they've done, what he did, what she did, then you would understand and you would understand that the, the way my heart is the way that it is. And, you know, there are a lot of pl- times, a lot of cases where we would all stand up and say, yeah, if those things happened to be, I'd be messed up too, right? Uh, all of us is that. And, and who of us in this life gets through the world without some sort of hurt? Listen, this is, this is, this is all part of humanity, is that, is that part of being a human is that we all suffer yeah, every one of us. Now, some of us, to varying degrees, there are some people who suffer hurt that are, is absolutely unimaginable, right? Some of us who, we, some of us who if, you, if we heard their stories, right, we would just want to cover our ears and say, I don't want to hear anymore about that kind of hurt or that kind of pain. And we would all say, yeah, if that happened to be, I would be messed up, right? 
And we all know people who have been messed up by very terrible circumstances in their lives. And I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But for right now, let's, let's, let's kind of continue. Um, so Jesus says is that it's out of the heart that come evil thoughts. You know, isn't it funny? So all your life, right, your mama told you you were a good boy or you were a good girl. Turns out what? There's, there's evil in our hearts. You know, one of the things, one of the things that, that um, is just so tragic about, about we as people and about how kind of arrogant we are is that we want to think of ourselves as the, as, the, as the pure, clear, clean, you know, hearted person, is that when we do that and we don't come to the realization that there's evil in my heart, when we don't come to this realization, this person has no appreciation and no love for the Lord Jesus. As long as you want to think that you're the pure, clean-hearted one, you don't need a Savior. But when, you're, when you wake up one day and you realize, my heart is full of uncleanness and filth, then what do we do? We say, woe is me, right? I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. I am undone before the Lord. And now I need a Savior. Uh, see, See, here, here's part of the deal with this filter is that, is that this filter, it works on the outside. And what I'm showing people, it kind of works on the outside. And I get all this cleanness that comes out. But the filter or the behavior modification never deals with a problem. But here's the great news is we have a Savior who says, I want to deal with a problem. I want to pull the, you out of this darkness. I don't want to put you into the light because this darkness is not appropriate for my people. And I've come to redeem you, and I've came to save you, and I've came to fix what you cannot fix on your own through behavior modification. I've come to fix your heart. Right? How many times do, do the prophets talk about the Messiah who would come and would address the heart of men? See, what we need, it, it, because it's so important. Matter of fact, let's, let's read there. We just read this week in Proverbs chapter, um, chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23. Proverbs 4.23 says this. I'll get there, I promise. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Let me tell you, this is... I, I, this is to, to describe this proverb and what it means is, is probably more than I could do with the rest of the time that we have today. But... You know, Solomon wrote several books, and he wrote most of the Proverbs. And he was a man who celebrated for wisdom. Matter of fact, the Bible says that there was no man who was wiser than Solomon. He was the wisest man in all, all the world, right? And he taught, and he wrote down, and he recorded so much of his wisdom in the Scriptures, and we have so much of it today. But he says, and he, he would talk about all kinds of things, about money and relationships and marriage and, and, uh, and how to approach a king and, 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 and work ethic and all these things and all these Proverbs. But listen to what he says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else. All right, right? It's almost as if he were saying, if you don't hear anything else I, I say, understand this, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It, it, that wellsprings means that everything in life comes from the heart. The way that you parent comes from your heart. The way that you handle money comes from your heart. The way that you are in relationships comes from your heart. The way that you relate to God comes from your heart. The way that you uh, 
the way that you parent, the way that you ed- the, the teach and train up your children, all those things, the way you, that you lead, the way that you serve at work, all those things come from your heart. So what happens if your heart is corrupt? Then every relationship, every way, the way that we parent, every way is twisted and contorted and, and corrupted by our hearts. So Here's what, I, here's what I would say this morning is that, you know, I'm going I'm to be talking through uh, several things, several different kind of sins that we, that we kind of struggle with. And, and here's the deal is that these are kind of sins that we all struggle with, right? These are sins that we all struggle with. But the great thing is, is that God knew that, and that's why he sent a Savior to fix the hearts of men and women. Yeah. He, he came to redeem even this. He came to save and clean up and cleanse even this. Amen? Uh, all right, so um, so let's talk. So um, let's let's bring that up. The next slide. Until we deal with our hearts, our relationships will suffer and will remain in that darkness. Listen, the Lord Jesus didn't come for you to continue to struggle with this um, unchanged, right? The Lord Jesus came to redeem and and to and to make us more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to help us to exhibit the Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and to be more and more like His Son. Uh, but above all else, we have to guard our hearts. Let me tell you real quickly what I think that means. The word guard here is used of a watchman. It's used of a man who would stand on a wall and who would watch as, things, as people or things or whatever started to approach the city, and he would call out to the people to blow whether or not they should open the gates. Right? A watchman would stand guard at the gate, would stand guard at the wall, and he would tell them whether or not they should let them in. Um, I remember one time we were, I was uh, doing some work with uh, a ministry on campus at WT, and uh, there was a guy who was, who was saying that he was having some trouble with lust. Um, very odd. I don't know any other men who have had any trouble. Okay, just kidding. Um, a lot of men struggle with lust. We went into, to, uh, I, I went with the, with the director. He and I went into this kid's room, and all these posters up of what in his room? Women, right. All these posters of women and struggling with lust. You know what? Dude, guard your heart. If you're struggling with it, you've got to cut that off. You, you, you can't be letting that stuff into your life and into your mind. And this is so important in the internet age, men, for us to get and to understand. You can't let that stuff in your heart. You've got to stand guard over your heart because, listen, your heart has no brains, right? Your heart is emotion. It's passion. It's driving force behind a lot of what you do. But it, ha- doesn't, have the emo- it doesn't have the brains to stand up and say, no, that's not good for me. You have to take charge of that and say, no, I'm closing that off. I'm not letting that into my life through movies. I'm not letting that into my life through the internet. I'm going to guard my heart because it's the wellspring of life. And the things that I let into my heart affect every other aspect of my life. Right? L- listen, men, do not lie to yourself. The things that you let into your heart affect your marriage. The things that you allow into your, your, into your eyes will affect your marriage. This is not a... a um, uh, you know, uh, pornography is not a, um, what's the word? I'll get it in a minute. It's not a victimless crime. It will affect your marriage. It affects your relationships. What you allow into your heart, because it's the wellspring of your whole life, will affect your relationships. All right, you, you, we've got to be careful with those things. The other thing I would say, though, is that there's more than the aspect of, of being on a tower and watching what comes in. The other part, and this is going to be the majority of the focus of the sermons here now, the other part of this is that we have, to, we have to be a little more self-aware. We have to know what's going on in our hearts, right? Here's part of the deceptiveness of sin is that we all like to think of ourselves as this. 
It's part of the deceptiveness of sins is that we don't know ourselves very well. And it's what we talked about in the very beginning about Proverbs is that the reason I have to trust in the Lord is because I don't know myself very well. Matter of fact, um, Jeremiah would say something very shocking. I, didn't, I don't have this for overhead. I kind of, uh, you know, I can't quit tinkering with my sermons ever. It, I just have to give it and then I'm done. So anyway, in Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, turn with me or, or, or listen to what he said. In Jeremiah chapter 17. Listen to what he says, the, the prophet Jeremiah speaking, or the Lord speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, I should say. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, what he's saying is here's what I'm trying to illustrate. We all think of ourselves this way, even though we're this way, right? And we're deceiving ourselves. But that's part of sin. Part of sin that the scripture would teach is it, it, it is a deceptive Sin is deceptive. It, it covers itself over. It, it hides in our hearts. It hides in the shadows. And it hides in places where we have trouble finding it because we like to deceive ourselves and we like to say, oh, no, this is me. Aren't I a great guy? Uh, aren't, I, aren't I a cool guy? I don't really have any struggles. don't really have any problems. I, I'm this guy. When the truth is a lot of times, well, not, not all a lot of times, that, that we have these kinds of struggles. But it says, the, so in uh, Jeremiah, it says, the heart's deceitful and, and beyond cure. Uh, who can understand it? So what the Bible teaches is that we can't even see this in ourselves because our hearts and sin is deceptive. They are deceptive, right? And so what are, we, what are we to do? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. So here's the great thing is that God says, you know what? I will search out for you. I will help you. If, if you will go there with me, if you will take responsibility and come to me with, with your heart, if you will ask me like the psalmist did, search me, O God. If you'll come to me like the psalmist did, I'll show you that stuff and we will work on it together. And here's the great thing. Here's the great thing is that when you and I walk through our lives and we say something that we recognize is jealousy in our hearts, or we recognize is greed in our hearts, or we recognize is anger in our hearts, or unforgiveness in our hearts. When we walk through and we see those things, here's the great thing about being a Christian, is that the Lord Jesus can say, when I died for you, I already knew that was there. Whether you knew it or not, whether, you, whether or not you knew that you had this unforgiveness in your heart, I knew you would deal with it, and I died for that two millennia ago. I died for that. Now let's work on it, and let's uproot this out of your life. And the Lord Jesus wants to come in and he wants to begin to clean and drudge out all the, the junk in our lives. Because what, what he wants for us, what, is to be able to, to, to have relationship with him without those things in the way. What he wants is us, for us to have relationship with our husband or our wives in a way that we're not dis, that, that's not distorted by the sin in our hearts. What he wants for us is to be able to raise our children in a way that we're not making up for some sin of unforgiveness or some guilt that we've been carrying for decades. What he wants for us is to walk in purity. Let me, let me show you one more place here. We, turn with me to Psalm. I, I'm sorry, I, I thought of this late too. I didn't get this to Tim. Psalm chapter 51. Flip over with me real quick. This is, you know, this is after David had committed um, adultery with Bathsheba. And there are a couple of things here I want to I point out. First is, um, yeah, let's, let me just read through it real quick. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right 
when you speak and justified when, when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Uh, surely, now here we go. Here's what I was wanting to get to, verse 6. Surely you desire truth in the innermost parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. I, I think, when I think about verse 6 and I think about what God desires, God says, I, I think what he's saying is, I want integrity of your person. I, I, I want you to look, I don't, I don't want just your behaviors and your words to be pleasing and appropriate and unoffensive. What I want is the integrity for that to go all the way down to your heart and for there to be purity and, and cleansing even there. I want to see from, from the outside in, I want to see purity and cleansing uh, that the Lord has brought. And here's the great thing, is that the Lord knows that he's the only one who could do it. Matter of fact, in verse 10, the psalmist recognizes this, and he says in verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God. Isn't that great? So, so what, the, what, the, what, what David's recognizing here is my sin, my, my heart has been corrupted by sin. What I need is for God to create a pure heart in me. I, I have one. It's just not clean. I, I have one. It's just impure. I have one. It's just, been, it's just been twisted and corrupted by sin. And what I need is for God to come in and create a clean one within me so that I can have right relationship with the people around me, so that I can, can respond to my husband or my wife in a way that the sin isn't getting in the way, so that I can respond to my children in a way that the guilt that I've been carrying is not laid out on them as I try to raise them. Yeah. But here's the good news, is that we have a Savior who knew that we were like this and has plans to make us more like this. Amen? He's made a way through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not like when you and I are surprised to find these things, and I know this is kind of a heavy sermon, I apologize for that, but we all need to know that you need a Savior, and so do I. I need someone to come and fix my heart. I need someone to come in and, and drudge out the, the brokenness, the guilt, the shame, the jealousy, the greed. I need someone to come in, and there's only one I know who can fix the heart. And that's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So here's what I want to ask. I, I know this is hard. Would you just bow your, eye, bow your heads and, and close your eyes here for just a moment? The, I, know these are, I know this is difficult to hear. I know it's hard to talk about our sin. I know we all want to think of ourselves as, as clean and, and unadulterated by sin. Um, I know we like to think of ourselves way, that way. But the truth is, is that we have a glorious Savior. And I pray through all of this is that whenever you and I see and we realize our need for the Lord Jesus Christ, that our love for him would grow just exponentially because we know and we see that he wants to deal with it. And he, as someone has already professed, accepted us the way we were, even with that stuff, even with that junk in our hearts. He loved us and he died for us and he accepted us as we were. But listen, the great thing about the Lord Jesus, he loved us so much that he died for us, but he loved us too much to let us stay the way that we are. He desires truth in your inmost part and my inmost part. And you and I have to be able to take our hearts to him and say, Lord, show me my sin so that you can uproot it and remove it from my life. I don't want it to affect my relationship with you. I don't want it to affect my relationship with my, with my friends, with my husband, with my wife. I, I want that removed. I want you to deal with it. I know, Lord Jesus, that you are the only one who can. So, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what we do, for what you do. And we thank you and, uh, for making the way to cleanse our hearts, to purify us, Lord God, by, by the suffering and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And, Lord God, we look forward to you working in us and sanctifying us and to make bringing that truth into our inmost parts. Uh, Lord, Lord uh, work on us, we pray. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for your great salvation and redemption that has all this in mind 
uh, to redeem us as your people. We thank you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' great name. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great day. Great to have you this morning.